0: it's a new day Here is Let us
1: pray the morning show. And to start your day
2: It is Monday, the 31st of July, the Feast of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray a prayer of his in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O Christ Jesus, when all is darkness and we feel our weakness and helplessness, give us the sense of your presence, your love, and your strength. Help us to have perfect trust in your protecting love and strengthening power, so that nothing may frighten or worry us. So living close to you, we shall see your hand, your purpose, your will through all things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on this Monday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Ackman at the controls. And we are closing out the month of July today. Up this hour, Kevin Schmeezing will be along with a look at this week in Catholic history. We'll check in with Father Philip LeRae, who we tap into from time to time from his work on Humanity 2.0 to try and figure out how to wrap our minds around the acceleration of AI and our responsibility to, uh, to uphold the truth as Catholics. Father John Gavin is going to join us. It's actually, he's a Jesuit. We got a Jesuit on today on the Feast of St. Ignatius. He's going to talk about how the world was created for the Church. And then Dr. Jared Stout on the Eucharist and human dignity here at the end of the hour. So stay with us if you can. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news.
1: Good morning. The blistering heat wave is not going away as record-setting temperatures move through the south. Heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, meanwhile, Phoenix has now topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days. More than 100 million Americans were under heat alerts over the weekend. Meantime, recent powerful storms that hit the east coast brought some relief from the heat while causing damage and knocking out power for tens of thousands of people. Cooler weather is in the forecast from the northern plains to the Midwest through tomorrow. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Mark Mayfield has the story.
3: The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: Pope Francis is urging Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain mostly to countries in Africa from its Black Sea ports. During his Sunday Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow these shipments. The Holy Father said, "Quote, I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation" so that the Black Sea initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely, end quote. Also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Pope reflected on the actions of the merchant who sought and found the precious pearl. From Vatican Radio, Devin Watkins reports.
4: The first action of the enterprising merchant, said the Pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. We need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, Pastimes that leave us empty inside, while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has, since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. The Pope said we should ask ourselves what we really seek in life and whether we are making an effort to search for God and do good. He then suggested we practice discernment on what is truly good and comes from God and what leaves us empty and needs to be put aside. Finally, the Pope suggested that we look at our lives and ask if we have given up everything to make the Lord the center of our lives, our greatest good now and always. I'm Devin Watkins.
1: The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and more than 100 others injured in yesterday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention. Gas prices are surging to an eight-month high. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit 3.75 a gallon yesterday. That's 17 cents more than last week. Industry experts blame the spike on production cuts and the record-breaking heat. And the L.A. Dodgers will be holding their Christian Faith and Family Day event before this afternoon's game against the Cincinnati Reds. There will be player interviews and testimonials as well as musical performances from contemporary Christian recording artist Jeremy Camp. This coming, of course, after the debacle that was Pride Night and the honoring of the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which gained the outrage of the U.S. Bishops and others around the country. The Dodgers-Reds game gets underway at 1.10 p.m. Pacific time.
2: All right, so you ever watch a baseball game, Anna Mitchell, and you see a pitch that's clearly a bad pitch, but uh, oh, wait, umpire this says is that not, it's a uh, this this. I got, this, I got this
1: wrong, Matt. This was yesterday.
2: This was yesterday?
1: I'm sorry. Paul just looked at me and he's like, the Reds play the Cubs today. Yeah, it's like oh yeah, okay. Dodgers I'm sorry. I read this. Yeah, I read this wrong. Joey
2: Votto launched one into the Dodgers bullpen. And
1: Faith we... and Family Day was yesterday, which makes a whole lot more sense. It was on a Sunday.
2: But you know what happens? You ever you ever watch a game and and uh, there's a pitch that's clearly a a terrible pitch, mm-hmm. and the umpire calls it a strike, <laughs> and then later on there's uh, there's a pitch that's a a bad pitch again, and he calls it calls it a ball, or he calls he calls a reverse call.
1: Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah.
2: In favor of the other team. Now, we call that a makeup call.
1: Mm-hmm. It's
2: a makeup call. Anyway, yeah,
1: this was a makeup call. For I sure. wasn't
2: saying that. I was just asking you if you knew about that thing in baseball that
1: happens. Oh uh, well, I'm familiar. Yeah, I'm familiar. Just checking. Just I checking. Think, I do think this Faith and Family Day, God put in place after I mean well, of I course it
2: did an after. Anna Mitchell.
1: there are some teams that have like a faith and family day on their original events calendar
2: but it's like when uh when a tobacco company does cancer awareness ads <laughs> <laughs> it's 9 minutes past the hour Kevin Schmeezing now joining us he is the author of a catholic pilgrimage through american history and we like to take a look at this week in Catholic history every week here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt, good morning. So you've got some Ursuline history for us from the 1600s.
6: Yeah, the Ursulines are a big presence in uh, Catholic education in the United States, among other places, and they first arrived in the New World this week back in 1639. The Ursulines had been founded in 1535 in Italy by St. Angela Merici. Their main purpose was the education of girls and young women. A widow, Marie Guyart, joined the order in France in 1631. She received the name Marie of the Incarnation. Shortly after that, she had a mystical vision that she and her spiritual director interpreted to mean that she was to be a missionary in a new land. In the meantime, Samuel de Champlain and others had been exploring and settling New France, roughly speaking, what is now Canada. In 1608, Champlain founded the city of Quebec on the St. Lawrence River. It was still a settlement of fewer than a thousand people, when Marie of the Incarnation and two fellow Ursulines arrived this week, August 1st, 1639. The Ursulines immediately began teaching girls, both French and Indigenous. Their own numbers began to grow as native Canadians joined the order. By 1697, they had opened a second house, and by 1700, there were 40 nuns altogether. The sainthood cause of Marie of the Incarnation was initiated in the 19th century. It came to fruition when she was canonized by Pope Francis in 2014. St. Marie of the Incarnation, one of the three Ursulines who arrived in Quebec this week in 1639.
2: Pretty cool. And also this week in Catholic history, we get to talk about a codebreaker.
6: A codebreaker, his name, Joe Desch. So code breaking uh, in World War II has gotten a lot of attention over the last couple of decades, lots of books and movies. There was a Catholic at the heart of it, this guy, Joe Desch. Now, I didn't know anything about this until recently, Matt, so i got to give a couple of hat tips here. Jim DeBrosse did a series in the Dayton Daily News. That was published back in 2001, but I didn't see it at the time. I didn't know about it until I heard a recent episode on the Ohio Mysteries podcast. That pointed me to the articles. And so you're getting, in a much condensed form here, uh, a version of that story. Joseph Desch was born in 1907 in Dayton, Ohio, to a German Catholic family. He attended Catholic school with the Marianists at Emanuel Parish, where he apparently at one point got into a physical altercation with an instructor over a math problem. He cared deeply about his math. He finished his education at the local Marianist College, the University of Dayton, with a degree in electrical engineering. Dayton was at this time a center of engineering and innovation. Desch worked successively at General Motors Radio, telecom laboratories, and then National Cash Register. When the U.S. entered World War II in 1941, NCR stopped making cash registers. It devoted all its resources to work for the U.S. Navy. Its most consequential contribution was high-speed deciphering machines, code breakers, for which primary credit goes to the man who was by all accounts both a practical and theoretical genius, Joe Desch. After Allied scientists had broken the earlier German Enigma code, the Germans improved their technology, so a device exponentially more powerful, faster was needed, and that's where Desch and NCR came in. Desh worked frantically to create the machine and then to use it. It was a situation where a matter of hours could mean life or death for American soldiers, especially sailors who were subject to Nazi submarine attacks in the North Atlantic. So the Navy put massive pressure on the NCR team. Desh worked 14 hour days. He was under 24 hour surveillance. He was forced to break off relations with his German relatives. In fact, he had a few um, distant relatives who were members of the Nazi party in Germany. So it was kind of a delicate situation. Friends and family always described Desch as devoutly Catholic throughout his life, but sometime during this period, he stopped going to church. It probably had to do with the intense psychological strain. He felt guilt for not producing results fast enough to save Americans, but also guilt for producing the intelligence that led to the killing of thousands of Germans. After the war, Desch reconciled with the faith. He went to confession to a priest from his elementary school days. And when his daughter made her first communion a few days later, he went with her, receiving communion for the first time in 15 years. With the help of his faith, Desh seems to have found a measure of peace by the late 1950s, though he still rarely talked about his wartime exploits, and they remained a sensitive subject for the rest of his life. Joe Desh was 80 years old when that life came to an end. This week, August 3rd, 1987.
2: And I would never know that story if I hadn't been listening to This Week in Catholic History. What a cool piece of... Uh, uh of history related to world war ii that probably a lot of people don't even know about well until well like i say until you just found out about it recently yourself kevin schmizing we've got your book as well as the catholic history trek podcast linked at sunrise dot thanks as always have a great day
6: thanks matt you too
2: all right let's check on weather for the nation as we kick off this week Showers and a few thunderstorms found from New England to the central Appalachians and along the I-95 corridor from Pennsylvania to the Carolinas today. The other major trouble spot will be in the southwest, where the summer monsoon is starting to crank up. Showers and thunderstorms will head northward through Arizona and into the Great Basin. Aside from typical daily thunderstorms in Florida and a few showers and storms in the central plains, the weather looks splendid along the west coast and across the central U.S. Northern Minnesota will see a return of smoky conditions, but blue skies will otherwise dominate in other areas that have dry weather today. We're back with headlines right after this. It's quarter past the hour.
3: Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
7: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you there is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time.
8: Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families call to see how much you can save 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Do you use a single
2: brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com.
7: EWTN, communicating the faith. The best way to practice not really being able to fully celebrate in other people's successes is to go to what you're grateful for in your own life. So when someone next to you is having a a great success, you immediately go to, Lord, I'm so grateful. I have my health. I have my husband. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, everything becomes just perfect.
9: EWTN.
3: Live truth. Live Catholic.
2: 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines.
1: A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis urged Russia to revive the Black Sea Green Deal. And as the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy Fa- the Holy See has announced that the Holy Father will be traveling to Marseille in France in September.
2: News at the top and bottom of each hour, every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Anna Mitchell had a great weekend.
1: Yes. Thanks for covering
2: for me on Friday. Hey. I'm headed down.
1: I'm so happy that you got to go see your grandma and grandpa.
2: I am too. Granddaddy you know, I didn't get to, and Susu? Uh, Papa and Susu. Papa yeah. and Susu. Those good times. Got to see my parents. My brother was there as well. His kid. Yeah, so we uh, we did a lot of fishing And, you know, because I wasn't here on Friday, I didn't get to preview the Sunday Mass readings with Father Jonathan Duncan. And you always talk to Father Hezekiah every Friday. Mm -hmm. I always talk to Father Jonathan Duncan so we can get, like, as many angles as possible on the Gospel heading into the weekend. But, uh, so I wasn't able to preview. So I'm going to go back and reflect.
1: The parable of the net?
2: Yeah, on Matthew 13, Mm -hmm. which we would have heard at Mass yesterday. Mm -hmm. Or Saturday, at the vigil, depending, where the kingdom of heaven's like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind, and when it's full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what's good into buckets, and what's bad they throw away. First of all, I was in Tennessee, and when the deacon reads about putting the good stuff into buckets, it hits different when you hear it in a Tennessee <laughs> accent. I'm just going to say, I believe what's that. The bad they throw away. We did that. not do a fish fry, so we threw everything back. But you know those passages hit different when you 're fishing, or the ones that Jesus does you know when he's talking about gardening, when you 've gardened over the weekend, and then you go to mm-hmm. mass and mm-hmm. hear Jesus tell some parable that 's mm-hmm. about what you 've just been doing. Yep, it hits a little different it really but I does. did want to let you know of something uh, that that happened there was a um, there's a faux pas at the parish that I visited. The pastor was reading the announcements at the end, he was inviting people they're doing um some overnight adoration. Oh, cool. You know, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And he invited some of the the parishioners, he invited parishioners to participate in the kickoff Holy Hour uh, to do, you know, to to get this thing started. Except he didn't say Holy Hour, he said Happy Hour. Someone invited by everybody to a happy hour to kick this off. And he's like, of course, everybody immediately caught it. And he was very gracious and, you know, quick on his feet. And we all had a, at an amusing well, time.
1: Well, hey, hopefully it. your holy hour is a happy hour. Holy,
2: yeah, I mean, it... it an you, hour you are created is to know, happy. love, and serve God and be happy with him in the next life, then this would be a good way to aim towards that. Spend a little time in prayer. Uh, Spend a little time yes. off the internet. you will be happier that way, that's for sure.
1: That's so good. Yes, indeed. Well, well we're well. glad to have you back, Matt.
2: I put some pictures up on, on my oh, feed.
1: I'll have to go check it out.
2: I uh, I saw a lot of other stuff. I'll tell you some other things. I love going to uh, various parts of Southern America and just observing Christian subcultural phenomena because those are my roots.
1: Okay, wait. I'm just. And pulling also, I love
2: Flannery O'Connor.
1: When I pull up Twitter, like you come up first in my feed, and I see a good
2: I see a big old bass
1: fish. You didn't eat that thing.
2: I didn't eat that thing. That was—I caught that thing at about eight o'clock yesterday morning. I was like, I "Gotta get on the road here."
1: You threw him back.
2: I threw him back.
1: Wow, impressive.
2: Back into the gene pool. Season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available
1: in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea
5: at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com.
10: This is Father Don Tranel of the Mary Home Missioners. Please join me in praying a Glenmary Community Mission Prayer. O oh, loving Father, may your spirit guide our missionary service. Like Jesus, may we proclaim the reign of God is at hand. Like Peter, may we fall on our knees at the sight of your great catch. Like Paul, may we strive to share the gospel with all people. Like Isaac Job's and companions, May we willingly sacrifice our lives in service to the people of rural America. O Creator of all, give us the courage to leave the 99 and go after the lost one. Grant us the joy to rejoice over the found one. Compel us to care for the victims we find along the road. Move us to embrace the prodigal's returning home. We ask this through your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Always great
2: to talk to Father Philip LeRae from Humanity 2.0. He teaches in Rome, and we're grateful he takes a little time to talk to us every now and then. Father, good morning.
0: Good morning, Matt. Good to be back on the program.
2: Yeah, I'm interested to hear uh, about this uh, particular thing, Claude 2. Uh, what is Claude 2? Uh, because it it seems like... Well, well, I'll just let you explain it.
0: Okay. Uh, Cloud2 is uh, Anthropics GPT, and it rivals OpenAI's GPT because uh, they were one of the first to invest time and energy and money in creating this artificial intelligence. So what cloud uh, cloud 2 seems to be doing much better than the others is logical processing and so Anne, anna mentioned that she thought it was interesting that the uh, article that introduces this new version the older version was 1.3 seems to say that it does logic reasoning better than humans and i think that that's true Uh, First of all, it does it much more quickly. Second of all, it can uh, access databases which are much too large for the the human mind. And uh, thirdly, it doesn't make mistakes in terms of the logic uh, that it's doing. That's simply because we were able to translate logical patterns of human intellect into uh, mathematical code. And therefore, the machines can do it. This has been going on for more than 50, 60 years. Now, here's the interesting thing. It doesn't it doesn't arrive at truth better than humans. And I think that going forward with these enormous uh, language processors, we're going to have to, um, how can I say, we're going to have to understand that humans are much better at truth than machines. The machines probably beat us at logic. And I teach logic. And so I know sometimes the students, they don't get very good grades, Uh, but the machines don't do truth. And in Anthropic, even uh, they're very responsible. They even say that they say, be careful about using uh, this GPT, which is generative AI in order to arrive at truth because it can make mistakes. And I think that, uh, that's what we have to keep in mind.
2: Well, that just opened the door to about 15 different potential ways to take this conversation, right? Uh, because let's face it, we've been using computers to do logical processes better than us for a very long time, because that's what a calculator does in some ways, right? right. We right. kind of acknowledge well, yeah. that it's, it's. I mean, we can work it out on a scrap of paper, or we can punch it in and get a much quicker and uh, more accurate result. But this idea of truth. I mean, this is a different. Well, I mean, you watched a lot of movies. I mean, how many, how many uh, sci-fi dystopian movies have been based on the idea of a an AI or a you know some kind of a, a, a an android system making purely logical decisions without a human element? I mean, this is something that if you don't apply ethics to the development of it, you could go a lot of bad directions.
0: Yeah, and I and uh, I think that the leaders in the AI field are becoming more and more aware of this, and they're asking uh, different people in the Vatican, different priests, etc., to uh, weigh in on the ethics and, and the morality of, of these systems, simply because we don't want to uh, give control to the machines we want to maintain control and we want to use the machines for our own purposes to achieve our own goals which i think is is admirable i think that that that's exactly what we should be doing but we have to be careful when we turn control over to the machines or when we ask the machines to give us what the truth is uh they they they, they don't know you know that, that i've always i love machines i love ai you know that but AIs are dumb. You know, it, it, I, don't, I, I don't mean that in a, in a mean way. I mean that in, they're not aware, they're not conscious, and therefore they don't have access to the truth necessarily. They have access to a bunch of data, they have access to the internet, et cetera, et cetera. But even Anthropic, and, and Sam Altman says the same thing, be careful when you use these tools and think that you're going to arrive at truthful results. You have to double check. And you have to be an expert in a field, you have to ask other people, etc. So let's, let's use these tools, but as tools, not to substitute the human intellect, but to help it.
2: Well, and this is where that, you know, big $10 phrase that seems to come up every time here. Yeah, Christian anthropology matters, you know, what is a human being and, you know, what is it mean to be morally oriented what does it mean uh to and you know the, the developers of ai may fall on different places on this question but we know where we fall about being made in the image of god and so if we're to reflect our creator it matters that what we create reflects us uh you know in a more true way because i mean anybody can i mean anybody can just look at a piece of paper and say well this is this is what the logical "quote-unquote" thing to do is, but I mean, if you're taking into account morality and humanity, I mean, there's a lot of things that would be logical to do in terms of raising my son, but I got to take his humanity into account, <laughs> right, when I decide how, absolutely, to, you know, how to correct him or how to form him. I mean, this is that's just kind of basic parenting. Parenting is not done merely so, according to logic.
0: Yeah, it's it's a great metaphor when you say we were created in the image and likeness of God. Well, we're creating artificial intelligence in our own image. So let's try to put our best image in, uh, forward so that it will reflect the best of humanity, the best of, of what we're capable of and not the worst. So, you know, that's my prayer always that uh, keep let's keep focused and, and make these tools uh, to work for us.
2: Yeah, the service of humanity as opposed to in competition exactly. with humanity. Good exactly. stuff. Well, thanks so much, Father. Philip Luray from Humanity 2.0. We've got his website linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a great day.
0: Okay, thanks, Matt. So long.
2: All right, thanks for joining us on this Monday, July the 31st. It is half past the hour. Here's Anna with news.
1: Good morning. A blistering heat wave is not going away as record-setting temperatures move through the south. Heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, Phoenix has now topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Roy Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says... It's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crimes, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield reports.
3: Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Miefield.
1: The Ukrainian minister who oversees the country's so-called army of drones says there will be more drone strikes to come after drones hit buildings in Moscow yesterday morning. Russia's defense ministry said drones hit two commercial buildings and claimed a third drone was destroyed before reaching moscow also yesterday ukrainian drones targeted the crimean peninsula which russia annexed in 2014. pope francis has urged russia to revive the black sea grain deal earlier this month moscow stopped allowing ukraine to export grain mostly to countries in africa from its black sea ports during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments. He also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion that took place almost three years ago now on August 4th, 2020. He said, quote, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice. And I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. He said, let us not forget that Lebanon is also a message, end quote. As the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced that he'll be traveling to Marseille in France in September. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
11: Pope Francis will depart early in the afternoon of Friday, 22nd of September, arriving at Marseille International Airport. There he will be welcomed by the French President Emmanuel Macron, He will then preside a Marian prayer with the diocesan clergy in the Basilica of Notre-Dame de la Garde, followed by a moment of reflection with religious leaders near the memorial dedicated to sailors and migrants lost at sea. On September the 23rd, after a private meeting with people experiencing economic hardship at the Archbishop's residence, Pope Francis will address the final session of the Mediterranean meetings at the Palais du Faro, where he will also meet with President Macron. Finally, in the afternoon, the Pope is scheduled to preside over Holy Mass at the Velodrome Stadium before departing to Rome. Marseille is the second French city visited by Pope Francis during his pontificate. He will also be the first pope to visit the multi-ethnic southern French port city since Clement Seventh did so in 1533. The Mediterranean meetings are organized and hosted by the Archdiocese of Marseille at the behest of its Archbishop Cardinal Jean-Marc Avelline following the Mediterranean Frontier of Peace meetings promoted by the Italian Episcopal Conference in 2020 and 2022 in the cities of Bari and Florence. The two gatherings brought together bishops as well as mayors of several countries bordering the Mediterranean to highlight the need for peace and fraternity in the vast sea region, a crossroad of peoples, religions and cultures now facing new epochal challenges. I am Lisa Zengarini.
1: And gas prices are hitting an eight-month high. AAA says the national average is 3.75 a gallon as of yesterday. It's 35 past the... The
2: Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug
5: and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com.
12: This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. The truly patient person bears up equally under ignominious tribulations and those that are honorable. To be despised, criticized, or accused by evil men is something that a courageous man does not mind, but it takes a lot of virtue to accept being criticized and badly treated by good people by our relatives and friends. I have often said that he who is not humble is not chaste. I say this because God is accustomed to allow the proud to fall into the most heinous sins, to teach them a lesson, and to correct spiritual pride. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Chris Armstrong.
1: It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on this feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Happy to have you with us. Father John Gavin is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's author of Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Hey, happy feast day.
13: Thank you very much. We've got a number of celebrations happening here today. So
1: Nice. Nice. Anything you would like people to reflect on, uh, on this Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola? Uh,
13: I would certainly say, uh, looking at St. Ignatius, he really is uh, one who points to the power of prayer, right? And especially prayer with uh, the Scriptures and the life of Christ, in the way that that forms us, Uh, and I think we need to hear that and practice that, especially in our world today.
1: Amen to that. Love it. So today we continue our series on the Church Fathers and the Catechism. And so we're uh, talking about the Church in paragraph 760. And I will read it here because this, oh my gosh, it just catches your breath. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. Christians of the first century said the world was created for the sake of of the church god created the world for the sake of communion with his divine life a communion brought about by the convocation of men in christ and this convocation is the church the church is the goal of all things and god permitted such painful upheavals as the angels fall and man's sin only as occasions and means for displaying all the power of his arm and the whole measure of the love he wanted to give the world. And then this quote from St. Clement of Alexandria, just as God's will is creation and is called the world, so his intention is the salvation of men and it is called the church. <laughs> this, I'm, I'm so blown away by these statements, and uh, actually, mm-hmm. in addition to Saint. Clement of Alexandria, in here is quoted "The Shepherd of Hermas." What is mm-hmm. that?
13: Yes, that is or uh, was a uh, very popular Christian work from probably the mid second century, though some will put it earlier. and in fact, it was so popular. Uh, St. Irenaeus, in talking about the canon of the New Testament, said many Christians wanted to include it, but because it was composed outside of the apostolic era, in the end it was not, obviously. But it's uh, it's actually a series of visions and other material associated with an ex-slave named Hermas, and uh, among his visions, he actually has an encounter with the Church. And the Church appears to him as a woman, first as a very old woman, kind of bearing the sins of the people. And uh, then she gradually gets younger in each subsequent vision until she appears as a young bride of Christ and i think allegorically what that vision is saying is that uh the church is old and yet young at the same time that the church uh really the formation of the church is at the heart of christianity and even in our fall uh bearing the sins uh that uh she in christ continues that formation and becoming ever younger and becoming that Bride of Christ, because as we just heard, uh, creation exists for this communion with the divine life, and it is through the Church uh, that that will take place, uh, obviously in the, uh, through the saving actions of Christ.
1: It's such an incredible thought. Before I ask you more questions about that, let's get to Clement of Alexandria as well. Tell mm. us a little bit about him and where this quote comes from.
13: So Clement of Alexandria uh, was also from the 2nd uh, century. He was the uh, head of the catechetical school in Alexandria, so he was teaching catechumens. That was his uh, mission in the Church. In fact, one of his most famous students was the theologian origin of Alexandria. And he was one of the, the earliest. He was very well educated. He was one of the earliest, we could say, uh systematic theologians, I mean, really, uh, his works uh, draw on both philosophy and the scriptures to present the faith. And that quote that we just heard here, a really uh, wonderful one, uh, he shows that the, you know, the mission of the Church, he says here, is the salvation of humanity, it, that is, to be uh, that instrument of God's will to draw all into the divine life of Father, Son, and spirit, and so uh, as a catechetical teacher, he put that at the heart of his teaching and his preaching uh, that it is the mission of the church in uh, through Christ to bring all into that uh, eternal union
1: well, I think just like we can sort of get lost or we can we can lose the the sense that like. Well, this is in the, the section on the Holy Spirit, so let's use the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. as an example. There there are those that, if they're not reading closely enough, might think that the Holy Spirit shows up for the first time at Pentecost, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think the same way with the Church, that we, we like to use the phrase, you know, oh, Pentecost is the birthday of the Church, but Really, Mm -hmm. the Church was in the mind of God from the very beginning.
13: Exactly. And this is really, the Fathers of the Church emphasize this regularly. Uh, In fact, even when you're you're mentioning the the Holy Spirit, when they look at Genesis, uh, they see the Spirit as the Spirit of God over the waters and the creation of the world. But uh, the intention of God, as we heard from Clement, Uh, they see, even present in the book of Genesis, that the story of the Church uh, and the unfolding of God's intention, uh, even after the Fall, uh, you know, the unfolding of God's intention, we can read there. So, uh, the Church becomes revealed and formed in Christ, of course, but, as we know, uh, that's already taking place in God's uh, God's uh, relation to us in history, as we see in salvation history in the Old Testament already. So the Church, is ever-ancient and ever-new.
1: Well, Father, knowing that, I mean, it, to, to go back to this quote from the Shepherd of Hermas, the world was created for the sake of the Church. Mm-hmm. Knowing that, Father, what do you think that how do, do you think that brings more urgency to our mission of evangelization today?
13: Absolutely, I mean, especially today when, you know, so many see creation as simply meaningless, right? It's just wow. a bunch of atoms crashing into one another. And uh, we Christians, more than ever, need to put forward uh, the gospel message that we have been missioned to share. Uh so in the sense that obviously creation exists to glorify God, but uh, we as the Church, in union with Christ, are meant to give voice to that glory so that all may come to share in in that great song that we are to sing uh, to God in eternity. And That is the meaning of all things, and we really need to get that message uh, presented today.
1: Absolutely. We've been talking to Father John Gavin. You can find his book, Mysteries of the Lord's Prayer, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, some incredible thoughts here today. Thank you so much for bringing them to light through the Church Fathers. Really appreciate it. Thank,
13: Thank you for having me.
1: You bet. And again, happy feast day. Hope it's a good one for you. Thank you so much. God bless. You too, Father. Thanks. All right. It's uh, 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Dr. Jared Stout joins us next.
14: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years. Manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com.
5: For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show.
2: Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as
15: asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery
8: of sin.
16: today on more
5: to life unstuck
8: Are challenges making you feel trapped we're gonna help you move forward
5: that's today on more to life now back to the sunrise morning show
1: dr jared stout is back with us now on the sunrise morning show we've been going through his book how the eucharist can save civilization good morning dr stout good morning So we're talking today about the Eucharist and the dignity of the human person. Now, to lay the groundwork for our conversation, Dr. Stout, can you explain the Gnostic heresy and what Gnostics believed about the human body?
17: Yes, Gnosticism was part of a general position of dualism in the ancient world. So it was very common, uh, even amongst ancient Greeks and the philosophers, to view the body as evil— and the world of spirit to be good, and that we needed to be liberated from material things, um, even just the the physical world of creation. Um, and so Gnosticism was one particular variety of that, and then even became blended with Judaism by some people, and also with some Christian elements uh, as well. And so it was a heresy already addressed in the... Uh, the Bible itself, you see, like, the first letter of John um, talking about it, um, and also by early church fathers. Yeah,
1: so to to sort of get at the, the Orthodox Christian response to this heresy, talk first about the importance of understanding the Incarnation.
17: It seems that at the beginning of John's Gospel, he did have the Gnostics in mind when mm. he said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, and so the Incarnation really undoes any position that would view the material world or our own bodies as evil. Um, They're fundamentally good. God, who made them, took on our flesh, our humanity, and that is part of our redemption, that Christ actually enters into the world, enters into our humanity to sanctify them. They're already good because he made them, but obviously we are taking them in the wrong direction through sin, Um, But the answer to to sin was to come into uh, the world which he made, into his own, um, and to save it from the inside out.
1: Yeah, so then let's bring the Eucharist into this teaching. How does the Eucharist affirm the dignity of the body and the human person?
17: Well, we see in some of the earliest writings um, of the Church Fathers uh, that the denial of the Incarnation by the Gnostics also led them to deny the Eucharist. And so, um, St. Ignatius of Antioch, for instance, says, you know, there are heretics who do not believe that the Eucharist is the flesh of Christ. And he's writing around the year 100. But both uh, for St. Ignatius of Antioch and then St. Irenaeus of Lyon writing in the mid second century, they both say that because we eat the flesh of Christ, that our own bodies will be saved, they'll be raised up on the last day. And, and so the Eucharist was actually essential to overcome the Gnostic heresy uh, and to say that, you know, God actually views us as good, and to prove that to us, you know, He's not only taken on our own flesh, but He's given us this flesh to eat, and that sanctifies our bodies. Uh, it sanctifies the world, um, and it is the source, of our eternal salvation. So if Jesus came into the world to save it from within, when he gives us his own flesh to eat, he's sanctifying our flesh and saving us from within.
1: You know, I'm wondering if we can extend this out to this day and age. Do you think that we're we're dealing in our day with a sort of maybe neo-Gnosticism in that there are these people who seem to think that you can and should be able to change the body to, quote, line up with what you believe is your spirit? I'm I'm talking about, you know, transgenderism, for instance. Do you think that that is is sort of a a mutation of Gnosticism in a way?
17: Well, Hilaire Bellot said that there were some perennial heresies that always crop up, and Gnosticism is one of them. It broke out in the, the Albigensian heresy in the Middle Ages. And it's certainly present, and even in a spiritual way, you can look at it through the New Age, Mm. um, which in many ways is a a kind of dualism as well. And I think what Pope Francis said about transgenderism is that it is a denial of the gift of the body, right? That the body is is given to us by God, and we must receive it as a gift from Him. Um, And so transgenderism would break that connection then to the Creator, and that's what the early Gnostics were doing. Right? They actually said that, yeah, creation is bad. It's not the, the fruit of the, of the good God. So there, there is a way uh, in which we view creation, well, not even as creation, not as a gift, not as something that has to be accepted. We make ourselves to be God um, over it, because we say that we're the ones in charge of it. We can change it. We can make it into our image there is then a disconnect. Now, there's a lot that could be said about the, the problem of transgenderism, but insofar as it views the body as something that has to be overcome, mm-hmm. we can certainly see a fundamental disposition like Gnosticism.
1: And I'm wondering if maybe, do you think that the Eucharist has an answer for, for that sort of form of Gnosticism?
17: Well, if we're struggling with problems of identity, whether it's bodily identity, but also spiritual identity, I think what Jesus offers us is an invitation to find our identity through his body, blood, soul, and divinity, so that there is a, a coming together to be one flesh with Jesus, to be one spirit with Jesus in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And and it's a, it's a wonderful gift of, as Irenaeus says, of nourishment. We're being nourished in our flesh, as he says. We're obviously being nourished in our spirit, and so I think Jesus teaches us what it means to be a child of God. He teaches us, I think, what it means to be a tabernacle um, in this world. And he teaches us the meaning of flesh. Like, what does it mean to be an enfleshed spirit? And Jesus shows us it's about giving of ourselves to others. And I think that's fundamentally what the Eucharist is about. It's a gift. And the spirit is manifested through flesh. And so if we're struggling who we are with, with who we are, we need to deflect the focus from me to others, uh, ultimately to God, but even just to give of ourselves through our bodies to those we love around us.
1: That was a really beautiful response, Dr. Stout. I'm so glad I asked you (laughs) the question. (laughs) (laughs) The book is called How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. It's from Tan Books. I've been learning so much from it and hope you will pick up a copy as well. You can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Dr. Jared Stout, thank you. Thank you. Matt, did you ever think about it like that?
2: I don't know that I have. That's pretty cool, though.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, like, the, (laughs) I mean, it's just like to, to make these links from the incarnation to the Eucharist to us being part of the body of Christ and our inherent dignity just being made in the image and after the likeness of God. I mean, it's just like. To put the, all of that together and I, then... We had a kind
2: of an incarnational flow to the hour. I know, right? Like, what is a human being and what is it that we're trying to make when we make AI? hmm Well, then that was Father oh. LeRae. Yeah. And then we went into Father Gavin about, well, what does it mean? What were we created for as the body of Christ? hmm With Father John Gavin. Flowing into what you just talked about, Dr. Jared Stout. I don't know what other morning radio shows talk about. Puppies and <laughs> cereals and stuff, but that's what we talk about. Another full hour coming up. It's
12: 3-Till.
11: A new day,
12: Hear his
0: word, let us pray, the
11: sunrise morning show, a way to start your day.
2: We continue on this 31st of July, a Monday, it's the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. Let's pray his generosity prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Lord, teach me to be generous. Teach me to serve you as you deserve, to give and not to count the cost, to fight and not to heed the wounds, to toil and not to seek for rest, to labor and not to ask for reward, save that of knowing that I do your will. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad that you're with us here on a Monday as we close out the month of July. I'm Matt Swaim, Anna Mitchell has news, Paul Ackman at the controls. And up this hour, we look forward to catching up with Teresa Tamio from EWTN and Ave Maria Radio's Catholic Connection, see what she's been up to this weekend. Brennan Hodge normally is our stat man from the pillar, but he's going to reflect on what Dorothy L. Sayers had to say about classical learning. She's actually got some fairly famous things to say about classical learning. Peter Breen will uh, join us as well from the Thomas More Society lawsuit against Illinois' new law targeting pregnancy care centers. And then Stephanie Mann will share with us more stories from the English martyrs. So stay with us if you can. Right now it's 2 minutes past News of Service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell.
1: Good morning. A blistering heat wave is not going away this week as record-setting temperatures continue to move through the south. Heat indexes, heat indices, which factor in humidity, could soar above triple digits again this week across states like Texas, Louisiana and Florida. In the Southwest, Phoenix has now gone above 110 degrees. For 31 straight days. More than 100 million Americans were under heat alerts over the weekend. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Mark Mayfield has the story.
3: The nonprofit group El Ra Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export its grain, mostly to countries in Africa from its Black Sea ports. During his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments. He said, "I appeal to my brothers, the authorities of the Russian Federation, so that the Black Sea initiative may be resumed and grain may be transported safely." And quote, the Holy Father also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion in Lebanon, which took place Almost three years ago on August 4th, 2020, he said, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice, and I hope Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. Let us not forget, he said, that Lebanon is also a message, end quote. During his also during his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father reflected on the actions of the merchant who sought and found the precious pearl from Vatican Radio. Devin Watkins reports
4: the first action of the enterprising merchant, said the pope, is to go out and seek precious pearls, which demonstrates his desire to cultivate dreams of good and search for something new. This curiosity and drive, he said, is what we need in seeking the newness of the Lord, because the Lord, he said, is not repetitive, but always making the realities of life new. While searching for the precious pearl, the merchant then finds what he is looking for, since he has a sharp eye and knows how to recognize the pearl of great value. The Pope said this methodic process of careful discernment offers a teaching for us in that we must also learn to discern what is good and precious. We need to seek what matters and is of value for our lives to train ourselves to see the precious gems of life from what is of no use or benefit. Let us not waste time and freedom on trivial things, said the Pope, pastimes that leave us empty inside, while life offers us every day the precious pearl of the encounter with God and with others. The Pope then described the merchant's last action when he buys the pearl, selling and sacrificing everything he has, since he realizes its immense value has to be his only wealth, the meaning of his present and his future. This action speaks to us as well, the Pope explained, as we are invited to welcome the Lord Jesus, the precious pearl of our life, to be sought, found, and made one's own. The Pope said that when one encounters Christ, life changes and finds ultimate meaning in the embrace of God. The Pope said we should ask ourselves what we really seek in life and whether we are making an effort to search for God and do good. He then suggested we practice discernment on what is truly good and comes from God and what leaves us empty and needs to be put aside. Finally, the Pope suggested that we look at our lives and ask if we have given up everything to make the Lord the center of our lives our greatest good now and always. I'm Devin Watkins.
1: Olympic champion Katie Ledecky now holds more individual world titles than any other swimmer. Ledecky tied and then broke Michael Phelps' record over the weekend at the World Aquatic Championships in Japan. She claimed her 16th world title and passed Phelps on Saturday when she won the 800-meter freestyle. The 26-year-old Ledecky tied Phelps' record last Tuesday with a win in the 1500-meter freestyle freestyle. And an Australian man has been crowned Scrabble World Champion. David Eldar won $10,000 and bragging rights after besting his opponent at the World Scrabble Championship in Las Vegas over the weekend. More than 132 players competed for the title over the course of the four-day event. Eldar played some unique words like thrimsis and Sosati, but Ultimately, his final word in the winning game was women. Okay. Do women you know get what, the final word. Do you know what were? are?
2: Uh, I don't.
1: A Is seventh, it three,
2: uh, three emses?
1: A 7th century gold coin and corresponding unit of value of Anglo-Saxon England.
2: So I feel like you should mostly just use words that are words that you might use. But here's the thing. I bet you I could take that guy out in Speed Scrabble. He might get me in a long game where he's got five minutes to think about a word. But in Speed Scrabble, which there's a corrupted version of Speed Scrabble out there called Bananagrams, but in Speed Scrabble,
1: mm-hmm.
2: get me a Ziploc bag full of tiles. I'd take that man to the mat.
1: Do you know what so are? Uh, no south african lamb and apricot kebabs
2: sounds good to me
12: mm-hmm.
2: i feel like i need to switch up my breakfast plans i know right Get some society's up in here all right well
1: there you teresa have it Tamio,
2: now joining us from ewt and nave maria radio's uh catholic connection chew up that last bite of society's and uh and say hello to the listeners this morning teresa
18: Actually, I was just drinking a good, strong cup of coffee that Deacon Dom made. But uh, good morning, buongiorno, as we say, in Italy.
2: Yeah, you've got to have that to wash the, the society uh, taste out a little bit, uh, the coffee. It offsets yeah. the bitterness. Hey, so I know that you've been to Rome to cover some canonizations. Uh, you've been in yep. Rome when people have been, some, been canonized. So yep. uh, today is the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, canonized Love on March twelfth, mm-hmm. sixteen 1622. And I want you to think about What it would have been like to cover that ceremony, because you know who else was canonized that same day? You ready? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm ready. No. All right, so canonized on March 12, 1622. There were a few of them. There was St. Ignatius of Loyola. There was Francis Xavier, another big Jesuit, on the same day. Philip Neary canonized same day.
18: Wow.
2: And Teresa of Avila. All canonized. I was going to say Teresa 12th, of Avila. That date was very
18: familiar with me because of her, because she's my, my patron and my favorite. But can you imagine you like to cover all that of them? One. Wow. That would have been incredible. Absolutely incredible.
2: So uh, just to, to before we get into some other stuff, uh, what is it like to watch that in person when the church makes the call and it's like this person is going to be held up for uh, as long as we're around as an example of what it means to be a Christian? I mean, what's it like to see somebody? Put up there.
18: It's pretty phenomenal. I've been to several of them, and and what they do is happens during the mass. The pope is there at the mass, and they have a banner up, and then they they actually read, they make the announcement during mass. The actual um, canonization is pretty quick, but the 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 uh, preparation for it and the way the uh, you know St. Peter's is decked out in terms of reminders of the saint and just leading up to it. I think the anticipation for it. Is even more exciting than the actual canonization itself. But you have to watch closely because it can happen quickly, and you could miss it if you're not there, if you step away or something. But it happens during the Mass. It's just very moving, and, and everybody cheers. And you just feel like it's just such a way to be part of the Universal Church to attend something like that. Or if you can watch it, even get up early in the morning and watch it on EW10, which usually carries those events live, it's, it's just really powerful. And the, the, the neatest thing is, is to see the people and their reaction, especially the people who have come from the native country where the saint you know, hails from, to see their excitement and their pride in, in, in their you know, native person becoming a saint. It's, it's very, very moving, very moving.
2: Yeah, you had to have a lot of Spanish-speaking uh, stuff going on. If You've got Ignatius of Loyola and Teresa Avila on the same day. So real quick then, what's your favorite canonization off the top of your head?
18: I probably think it would be mother, mother blessed mother, Saint Mother Teresa of Calcutta. I was able to cover that, and I, because I met her, I actually met her yeah. when I was a news intern at a radio station in Detroit many moons ago. It was my sophomore going into my junior year of college, and I was interning at a news station in Detroit, and there was a noon radio show. And I was in charge of, in addition to working in the newsroom, I would bring the guests up to the green room, which we call it in broadcasting. And I had to go down to the lobby and meet the guests, and they represented to bring them up. So I had I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with her. I mean, thinking about who she is, right? And she gave me a you know a little blessing, and you know made the sign of the cross on my forehead. No, it's not an official blessing because you know she's not well, technically, but it was just so beautiful for her to pray over me. She prayed over me in the elevator, and we were talking about our names, spelling them the same way, T E and not th and nice. she just said you know best of luck to you i'll pray for you and then I, I was able to chat with her and get her a cup of tea and it was just incredible So that experience all came back to me and the fact that i had spent time not knowing then, but my mother had a sense when i came home she said in new jersey accent oh my goodness you 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 met a saint you met a saint and yeah she was right well, she was right
2: oh, there she is she was right yeah. yeah that's pretty cool well speaking of rosie yeah. uh, you got some new stuff uh regarding your book uh everything's coming up rosie
18: yeah, I wanted to let uh, people know uh, Kelly Walquist with Wine, an amazing ministry of women in the New Evangelization, CatholicVineyard.com. If you go to the homepage, you'll see a beautiful link there for the Wine Virtual Book Club. It starts on September fifth and it goes through October tenth, and it's based on the Rosie book. Everything's coming up Rosie, and so if you if you can purchase this really cool package, it's got a beautiful journal and a study guide that goes with it. And so if you follow along, you can do it in a parish, you can do it in a a, a small group, a home book club, or do it yourself. You get the book, you get the journal, and you get the prayer card and In the actual book club, we actually do videos we're going to be doing live events and then videos that we recorded in Italy earlier this year so it 's a really beautiful journal and the The person who did the um, the beautiful, beautiful pictures in here the it uh, 's just gorgeous because you can color it 's like an adult coloring book too, so there 's a lot of roses in there, a lot of flowers and it 's just a great way to dive more deeply into the book and your own journey with God and some of the teachings that I bring up with the book. But it's a lot of fun. We have really cool videos, again, from Italy, including one that we shot in Spello on the Feast of Corpus Christi. Spello is known as the City of Flowers, and it was just gorgeous. So it's going to be really fun. It starts on September 5th. There will be a combination of live uh, connections and then also Catholic connections in another way, such as videos. And you can buy the whole parish. Just go to catholicvineyard.com. Start September 5th.
2: Cool, like, a, like a coffee club kind of thing that you could do
18: yeah, there. yeah. or like wine a wine club fun. you get together a with your club. girls and you have a little depending on what of time wine. of day yes.
2: you do it I suppose Teresa you know.
18: exactly and in moderation of course
2: of course you, you, have, you start your mimosa bible study there you go you get all kinds of interesting reflections coming out of that one so.
18: in moderation of course but you can have a nice little toast with your friends maybe a little wine and cheese and, and get together watch the videos and talk about the book the journal is really really pretty
2: you, wait, you say it starts when?
18: It starts September 5th. The illustrations in this journal are gorgeous. So, yeah, September 5th through October 10th.
2: You know whose feast day is September 5th? Off you are head? amazing. Who? St. Teresa of Calcutta.
18: <gasps> Look at that! I wonder if Kelly did that on purpose.
2: I, I thought I you did it on her. purpose.
18: No, uh, Kelly, Kelly ran this whole... Ba- this is her baby. She, she's the one that said, I want to do the book club. and I said, okay, girlfriend, go for it. I didn't see... That is something. Look at
2: that. I, I, I remember it because I was a freshman in college, September fifth, 1997. God What do you know? Yeah. See, I thought you planned this whole segment out, start to finish, to set that up. No, ah, well, I, I didn't. I was, I, was
18: just, I was just motivated because I got, the, I got the journal on Friday. I got the whole package, and I was looking at it, and I said, gosh, this is so pretty. I want to tell people about it. I'll be talking about it as we get closer, but I didn't know. I was just looking well, at it. Well, if anybody the journal, asked was you, great you, tell them that you figured that out yourself.
2: Yeah, don't don't give me. I'm credit. You got to say what? that you did that on purpose. If somebody asks you,
18: <laughs> I'll say you said I did it on purpose. No, I'll no, give no, you no. the, the attribution. Okay.
2: I take no. Credit. I got to stay invisible. I don't want my reward in this life, Teresa. <laughs> we'll be listening to really, Catholic Connection really later study. this morning. I hope
18: people can join us.
2: And yeah, definitely check out Teresa's uh, stuff there and get involved in that. We've got Teresa linked uh, at SunriseMorningShow.com if you want to connect. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon.
18: Thanks, and God bless.
2: Bye-bye. All right, we're back with headlines right after this. It's 16 minutes past the hour.
14: Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective, while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com.
7: Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the Giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to topray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB.
2: Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for
7: your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for Wings, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the Wings link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your Wings today.
2: 18 minutes past the hour, here's Anna with headlines.
1: There's a desperate search underway now to find two missing Americans in Haiti. Pope Francis, during his Angelus address yesterday, urged Russia to revive the Black sea Grain deal. And as the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced he'll be traveling to Marseille in September.
2: All right, news at the top and bottom of each hour. Every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Uh, of course, today the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And uh, you mentioned that World Youth Day 2023 is uh, is throwing down. You remember World Youth Day 2011 in Madrid
12: mm-hmm. uh, was
2: in August of that year. And one of the patron saints of that World Youth Day.
1: St. Ignatius.
2: St. Ignatius of Loyola. Because he's one of the big Spanish saints. You know, I was looking at this. You know, speaking of lining up the calendar. Ignatius of Loyola... Um, if you were to drop into Spain in uh, 1650 mm-hmm. and uh, and roll around, you just want to go from Spanish place to Spanish place. You could uh, at various points. I'm sorry, 1550. I was gonna say could, I was like, the well, you could visit all the grave sites. But if you were <laughs> if you could, to drop into Spain in 1550, you could schedule visits and show up at the doorsteps. Of St. Ignatius of Loyola,
12: mm-hmm.
2: St. John of Avila, mm-hmm. St. John of the Cross, mm-hmm. and St. Teresa of Avila, mm-hmm. all in Spain, alive and doing their thing.
1: Spain was in
2: 1550
1: a hotbed of saints in the post-Reformation period. I mean, this was where, well, I shouldn't That's even three say— three doctors of the church, by the way, the and Catholic, the founder of the Jesuits. The Catholic Restoration period um, very much— on fire in Spain, uh, particularly with the founding of the Jesuits, and of course with the the re- the reform of the Carmelites under the uh, the Avila Saints, as you were just um, naming them off.
2: Well, I mean Francis Xavier as well in the mix.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, there.
2: I mean, it's Peter a- Peter Faber. There's well, a lot. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Well,
1: well I mean in times of crisis this should be a a rallying perpetual point, lesson right a rallying point for us today because we see the crisis in our world and and that is when Saints come well I shouldn't say come to be that is when Saints really they oh shine. let's use a let's use a Spanish a Spanish metaphor that's when Saints really take the by the horns.
2: I take the bull by the horns.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: We'll take the bull then by the horns. Saints convert the world. Yep. A lot better than policies can. Amen. It's 21 past. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine
1: go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at s o n r i s e m o r n i n g s h o w . c o m and when you make a purchase we earn a commission
2: while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store
1: get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com
5: this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com.
9: This is Father Rob Jack. Please join with me now in this prayer for priests. God, our Father, you entrust your priests with the care of your people. Through their teaching, leading, and sanctifying, they gather your church into one body and strengthen her in her evangelical mission. Bless our priests and bishops, especially those for whom we now pray. Give them the grace to be effective witnesses of your mercy, love, and truth. Bless those priests who suffer from sickness and disease, both in mind and body. Bless our dying priests. May they offer their sufferings for the good of all your people and find healing and consolation in this life, if it be your holy will. Bless those priests who have failed and suffer hardship. Send them your spirit of forgiveness and help them to turn again to you. Lord, deepen our love for our priests. Lord, inspire many young men to answer your call to the priesthood. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Brendan Hodge. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog, author of If You Can Get It from Ignatius Press and a contributing editor to The Pillar. Brendan, good morning.
19: Good morning. Great to be on with you.
1: It is great to have you back. And you've written over at Darwin Catholic on an essay by Dorothy L. Sayers on classical education. Now, Dorothy Sayers, probably best known for her Lord Peter Whimsey mysteries. She translated The Divine Comedy by Dante but wrote about a lot of things, including classical education. So first of all, give us a basic definition. What is classical education?
19: So Dorothy Sayers gave a talk in 1947 called The Lost Tools of Learning, and she describes classical education as being rooted in the way that Western culture has done education as it was formed in the ancient and medieval eras. Um, and then she roots that in the um, the trivium and the quadrivium. So these were the areas of study that people studied in the ancient and medieval world.
1: So can you talk about why she decided to to talk about this, to write about this? What, Why did she think that classical education was important?
19: So she opens up with a set of concerns which in some ways sound very modern. She says that As she looks around the world in 1947, that people in some ways are more educated than ever. They have access to more information than ever. And yet what have they done with that? But they've become more subject to propaganda, to rumor, and to being led astray by people who have a large media bullhorn. So she talked about the power of radio and of newspapers, about the way that people have been able to stir people up and lead them into modern ideologies. And that a lot of people seem to have the ability to read and to assume information, but no ability to really discern what is true and how we can measure the truth of something.
1: Hmm. Ever ancient, ever new, I suppose, Brendan. I mean, we have new forms of of communication, of course, which make this uh, all the more urgent of an issue. So let's go back to what you were saying. You said there was a, how do you pronounce them, quadvivium and trivium, Is that right? What are these uh, she things? She talks
19: about the trivium and the quadrivium, which oh. is simply sort of the three subjects and the four subjects.
1: Oh, okay. And, so what uh, are they? This
19: was, so this was the breakdown of the medieval curriculum. The trivium were the three basic subjects which kind of prepared you to learn everything else, and these were uh, grammar, uh, dialectic, and rhetoric. And dialectic, you could think of as being uh, basically logic, uh, or logic with a little bit of sort of how to make an argument or debate combined in there. And then quadrivium were the more advanced subjects that people studied once they'd mastered those basic three. And those were arithmetic, geometry, music, and astronomy.
1: Interesting. So is there any um, is there there any sort of underlying uh, basis for why those would be the most important subjects for children to to really master
19: well what fears does is she take she focuses really on that trivium those basic three subjects because the way that she talks about it is that these are the subjects that people studied prior to going to university and then when you went to university you specialized in these deeper subjects and what she says is that Sort of the the basic foundation, obviously, for learning is uh, learning to read and write, and then learning uh, the, sort of to cipher, as she puts it. So, just the basics of uh, arithmetic. But that uh, when we think about grammar, dialectic, and rhetoric, we should think of these as three modes of learning. So, grammar is kind of the building blocks of a subject, the way that. Uh, the the basic pieces that you would use to put something together. So she talks about in history, the building blocks for a child might be famous people, um, eras, dates, kind of the key things will help them put things together. Uh, Dialectic or rhetoric is the way that those things fit together. So it's starting to put together the logic of how these building blocks go together into a structure and how we can understand the way that they interact and what they mean together. And then rhetoric is When you take those those building blocks and the way they fit together and you use them to say something persuasive and logical to someone else, to make an argument about what the past means or what science means or what mathematics means, when you take these pieces and you express yourself by putting them together in a logical way.
1: And to kind of illustrate why these are, are important to master rather than, you know, like the information in, information out, teaching to the test kind of method that a lot of us experienced uh, going through um, our, our early schooling years. You offer an example in here about learning to code. Can you explain?
19: Yeah, so my background is that I was a classics major, so I studied Greek and Latin in college, but I I now work uh, in programming and computers and data science. And so I I talked about how uh, this breakdown really applies to how you learn almost anything. So the grammar, say, of learning to code is learning the basic functions and subroutines, the key terms that you need to use in a coding language. The the, um, dialectic or uh, logic phase is understanding how those functions operate together, so that the structure of how you can put together a uh, a, a function or a subroutine out of those pieces. And then uh, the uh, rhetoric stage is being able to actually take those basic building blocks and the way that they fit together and then look at some creative project that you need to achieve and you need to get done and put them together in a new and unique way, which is yours, in order to achieve that goal. And if you think about it in that basic way, that's really how we learn and attack almost anything in life.
1: Yeah, absolutely. DarwinCatholic.blogspot.com is where you can go to get it. Brendan Hodge, thank you so much. Thank you. All right, it's half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. The sweltering heat wave continues with record-setting temperatures moving through the south. Heat indices could soar above triple digits this week across states like Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. In the southwest, Phoenix has topped 110 degrees for 31 straight days now. Meantime, recent powerful storms that hit the east coast did bring some relief from the heat, but also caused damage and knocked out power for tens of thousands of customers. A desperate search is underway to find two missing Americans in Haiti. The nonprofit group El Roy Haiti says a nurse who is married to the group's founder and her child were kidnapped Thursday morning while serving at a community ministry. The State Department says it's working on the case with Haitian authorities. The pair were kidnapped the same day that all non-emergency U.S. government employees were told to leave Haiti due to rising crime, civil unrest, and the lack of health care. The death toll continues to rise after a suicide bombing at a political rally in Pakistan. Mark Mayfield has more.
3: Officials now say more than 50 people were killed and over 100 others injured in Sunday's attack. So far, no one has claimed responsibility for the bombing at a Sunni political convention in the northwestern region of the country. Local authorities say more than 500 people were attending the convention at the time of the deadly bombing. I'm Mark Mayfield.
1: Pope Francis has urged Russia to revive the Black Sea grain deal. Earlier this month, Moscow stopped allowing Ukraine to export grain, mostly to countries in Africa, from its Black Sea ports. During his Angeles address yesterday, the Holy Father called on Russia to allow the shipments again. He also renewed his prayers for the victims of the Beirut explosion, which took place almost three years ago now on August 4th, 2020. He said, I renew my prayer for the victims and their families who are seeking truth and justice, and I hope that Lebanon's complex crisis may find a solution worthy of the history and values of that people. He said, let us not forget that Lebanon is also a message. As the Pope prepares to head to Lisbon for World Youth Day this week, the Holy See has announced that he will be traveling to Marseille and France in September. From Vatican Radio, Lisa Zingarini reports.
11: Pope Francis will depart early in the afternoon of Friday, 22nd of September, arriving at Marseille International Airport. There he will be welcomed by the French President Emmanuel Macron, He will then preside a Marian prayer with the diocesan clergy in the Basilica of Notre-Dame de la Garde, followed by a moment of reflection with religious leaders near the memorial dedicated to sailors and migrants lost at sea. On September the 23rd, after a private meeting with people experiencing economic hardship at the Archbishop's residence, Pope Francis will address the final session of the Mediterranean meetings at the Palais du Faro, where he will also meet with President Macron. Finally, in the afternoon, the Pope is scheduled to preside over Holy Mass at the Velodrome Stadium before departing to Rome. Marseille is the second French city visited by Pope Francis during his pontificate. He will also be the first pope to visit the multi-ethnic southern French port city since Clement VII did so in 1533. The Mediterranean meetings are organized and hosted by the Archdiocese of Marseille at the behest of its Archbishop Cardinal Jean-Marc Avelline following the Mediterranean Frontier of Peace meetings promoted by the Italian Episcopal Conference in 2020 and 2022 in the cities of Bari and Florence. The two gatherings brought together bishops as well as mayors of several countries bordering the Mediterranean to highlight the need for peace and fraternity in the Sea region, a crossroad of peoples, religions and cultures now facing new epochal challenges. I am Lisa Zingarini
1: and gas prices are surging to an 8-month high. AAA says the national average for a gallon of regular unleaded hit 3.75 a gallon yesterday. That is 17 cents more than last week. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past.
11: The
5: This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. Do you
2: use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you.
1: Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission.
2: And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store.
1: Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore
15: Catechism asks, why do we make the sign of the cross? We make the sign of the cross to show that we are Christians and to profess our belief in the chief mysteries of our religion. Every country has a flag that flies over their embassy, and every religion has a symbol or a word associated with it. The symbol of Christians is the cross, chosen by Christ, chosen by the Father, to be visible for all time and space. The vertical beam of the cross points us to heaven. The horizontal beam reminds us of our community here on earth. When we make the sign of the cross, we receive grace, because our Lord gains victory through that cross, a victory he wants to share with us. And so we make the sign of the cross not out of superstition, but rather out of great love and devotion for what Jesus Christ won for us in his death and in his resurrection. Let us make it willingly and often so that we can keep the faith in the cross until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan.
1: it's 37 minutes past the hour you're listening to the sunrise morning show on the ewtn global catholic radio network happy to welcome back to the sunrise morning show peter breen he's executive director and head of litigation for the thomas More society peter welcome back to the show
20: hey glad to be here thank you
1: glad to have you so the governor of illinois has signed the so-called deceptive practices of limited services pregnancy centers act now this is an amendment to a state law against consumer fraud and deceptive business practices what does that have to do with pregnancy centers
20: well what they've done with this bill and now law is to very specifically target pro life speech and they they've said that pregnancy centers, they don't like the way that pregnancy centers have highlighted the dangers and problems of abortion. And so in the actual law, they cite certain things that they believe that pregnancy centers say and say that those are false. So they would say, well, uh, pregnancy centers are saying that abortion could cause problems with your future fertility. Now, any of us who've lived on the planet for more than a couple of minutes Understand that that has happened to numerous people. Many of us know people who've had abortions and then you've got issues with fertility down the road. Uh, But the Illinois General Assembly would ban pregnancy centers from talking about that with pregnant women who are considering abortion. So that plus also specially targeting pregnancy centers and exempting abortion facilities from these new regulations uh, make this a flagrantly unconstitutional law.
1: Wait abortion centers are exempted from consumer fraud and deceptive business practices um, uh, legislation?
20: Well, so this new legislation, okay. so generally everybody's covered. So every business that's out there is covered by just the broad uh, deceptive business practices act. And uh, so everybody's apply that applies to everybody, pregnancy centers, abortion facilities, what have you. But this new law, only applies to pregnancy centers, and you're totally exempt if you are willing to refer for either abortions or emergency contraception, which often has an abortifacient effect. Mm-hmm. So all you—it's when you're looking at how narrow this is, we would say from a First Amendment perspective, it's viewpoint discriminatory. It's targeted just at people of faith, pro-life folks, uh, because of their beliefs. So it's unconstitutional there. But even more broadly, the government can't say, well, pro-life speech is misinformation, or your speech about abortion uh, is wrong. The government doesn't get to make that call.
1: So tell us about the lawsuit that you have filed to combat this.
20: So just this past Thursday, the governor signed the law at noon. We were on file uh, by about 1 o'clock. The attorney general was scheduled to have a press conference at 2 o'clock, and we were able to drop paper on him. To sue him you know with an emergency lawsuit to to seek a temporary restraining order to stop him from enforcing this new law and right now we are waiting uh we're waiting for the court to give us a ruling uh you know further guidance on how to proceed
1: is it i mean usually peter when i have been following um you know other states that are enacting pro-life laws, for instance, I think about, you know, various heartbeat laws that are going into, that have been signed into law, I mean, almost immediately there's a judge that's blocking it, putting an injunction on it to uh, to keep it from being enforced. Um, that didn't happen right away with a, with the judge that you filed with?
20: Well, and, and we're still waiting. So it did not happen right away. and And... Uh, So I'm not uh, reading anything into it at this point, uh, in part because the the attorney general has to take an affirmative step to enforce the law. So he'd have to serve subpoenas or file a lawsuit. And so, you know, the fact that we filed this before he even did his press conference, the nice thing is if he does decide to do anything in this short intervening time while we're looking for injunctive relief, you know, it'll all be subject to the federal court's uh, jurisdiction, because a federal court can't step in when the state officials have already started their enforcement proceedings uh, Mm -hmm. oftentimes. So that's why it's very important to get in on the front end uh, before any of our pregnancy centers in Illinois can get, you know, before you can really take these steps against our centers in Illinois.
1: Okay, so the the law is not currently being enforced yet. Is that right? Well,
20: yeah, not to get too deep in the weeds. So it is enforceable, uh, except we've filed this lawsuit, so we've really put a marker down, and and really I, I, usually we'd expect to hear something from the judge today in terms of what how he wants to proceed. Uh, in those abortion law cases, uh, sometimes you know you've got people saying, "I am scheduled for an abortion tomorrow. I need immediate relief." So here, uh, you know, our, our point is we're trying to continue doing our ministry, and we do not want to be subject to the attorney general's uh, heavy hand. You know the, the difficulty is he didn't come out and say I'm going to shut down the you know this women's center in Chicago or that particular facility, but it's just we know full well he you know he said he drafted this law and he's very much intending on enforcing it as soon you know as soon as he gets around to it I guess.
1: So you have filed this lawsuit on behalf of Nifla, correct? Can you tell us a little bit about Nifla?
20: Yeah, so Nifla is one of the nationwide. Pregnancy Center Networks. So they have 81 members in Illinois out of our roughly 100 or so pregnancy centers, and pretty much all the big centers are members of NIFLA. And so that, what we're, by being able to sue on their behalf, and, and we were honored to be chosen to uh, represent them, uh, we can then get protection pretty much for all of the pregnancy centers in Illinois effectively. Uh, we're also suing for sidewalk counseling organizations, so the Pro-Life Action League, Uh, There's a Rockford Family Initiative, which works in the uh, city of Rockford area, their their new abortion facilities. Uh, And so this law was actually drafted broadly enough to cover sidewalk counseling organizations, not just physical pregnancy centers. But it it specifically said we include mobile pregnancy centers and any organization doing pregnancy counseling. Um, So if you can imagine, all of our sidewalk counselors are subject to this uh so we you know it was part of why we knew we needed to get into court this is the worst law in the country uh of this type of law um so it's it's illinois really taking a horrible step um, you know and it's my home state but you know we're the most corrupt and bankrupt state in the country and this is just this was not not desired by the people of the state
1: well i mean it seems so obvious to all of us that that this is you know just totally infringing on on so many rights for pro-life pregnancy centers but that said peter what are your um i mean what are your hopes do you do you feel like this is is going to play out well um in court for for the thomas more society and nifla
20: I, well, so I, I can never predict exactly what's going to happen in court. I mean, you, you get yourself in trouble trying to do
12: that. Sure.
20: But we are, we are extremely confident in the strength of our legal arguments. Hey, look, If we don't get relief at the district court, we will go to the Seventh Circuit. If we don't get relief there, we would go to the Supreme Court. I mean, th- this sort of law has got to be stopped, especially when it is the worst of its kind. I mean, you know, all, all of these states that have the pro-abortion leaders, they are, they are copying each other so they find something that works in one state they are exporting it quickly to all of the other states so you could i mean if if this law were allowed to go into effect and it were enforced to its full terms it very well could shut down pregnancy centers you know in any state that had such a law
1: We've been talking to Peter Breen, and he is the executive vice president and head of litigation for the Thomas Moore Society. And, Peter, if listeners want to find out more about your work in general and also about this case specifically, where can they go?
20: Sure. ThomasMooreSociety.org, ThomasMooreSociety.org, and more is with one O, uh, so just for spelling no. them. That's the best place to get in touch with us, sign up for the newsletter, and what have you.
1: And you can find the Thomas Moore Society linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. They've got a banner right there at the top of their website right now about this case in particular. So, again, Society.org. Peter, really appreciate your, uh, your, your time this morning. Thank you.
20: Hey, thank you, Annie.
1: You bet. All right. It is 14 till now on the Sunrise Morning Show. We're back with Stephanie Mann
7: right after
3: this. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare.
7: Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time.
8: Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save. 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare. 844-334-3245. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy,
2: the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine.
1: Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission.
2: While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store.
1: Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com.
4: Hey, Alexa, how many ways can I get EWTN? You can get
5: EWTN on television, via cable and satellite, on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire and Google Play. You can get EWTN Radio in your car on Sirius XM Channel 130 and on the go on any mobile device with the EWTN app. And here's the best news. Now you can get EWTN's great programming on me.
2: The Sunrise Morning Show continues. Thank you for joining us on this Feast Of St. Ignatius of Loyola, founder of the Jesuits. We're joined now by Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival, the English Reformation website that she runs, which has some great resources on the English martyrs. Stephanie, good morning.
16: Good morning, Matt.
2: I feel like it's appropriate that we have you on today because it's the Feast of St. Ignatius of Loyola, and an extraordinary amount of the martyrs that we've talked about over the course of the history of this segment are Jesuit martyrs, right?
16: That's true. Yes, because the Jesuit mission starting in about 1581 with the arrival of of, uh, St. Edmund Campion and Companions. Yes, the Jesuits were leaders in the missionary efforts in England uh, during the Recusant Era. And yes, so many Jesuits suffered martyrdom or just suffered great imprisonment trials during the period of the Recusant Era in, in England.
2: Well, there's so many to discuss. But
16: today's saint is not yeah, a Jesuit.
2: Is, yeah, I was about to say, today's guy is not a Jesuit. The, the martyr yeah. we're talking about today is Blessed Edvard, Everard Hans. So if you yes. could, uh, there's an extraordinary story here and uh, some sort of unique aspects of it. Uh, if you could set it up for us.
16: Well, he was a... He, he was a, a, a Protestant. He was an Anglican and actually he was an Anglican minister and his brother, William had actually become a Catholic and his brother returned as a priest to England and tried to bring his brother Everard into back to the Catholic faith in which, uh, you know, his family had lived for centuries in, until uh, Elizabeth, the, Henry VIII and, and all the things that happened with the English Reformation. And, Everhard withstood Williams uh, attempts to evangelize until finally became very ill. And that illness, as father Bowden says, you know, brought things into a different light. And so he did become a Catholic and then he went immediately to Ron's to study for the priesthood following his brother's footsteps and then returned to England as a missionary priest to serve the Catholics in, in England. And, the he's one of those martyrs who who came and was arrested pretty quickly because he was going to the Marshalsea prison in London to visit Catholics who were in prison there, and the jailer noticed the boots that he was wearing, and that's why there's Father Bowden really emphasizes boots in, throughout his title and verse that he uses, he they were foreign made. And so it made the jailer suspicious of him. And so he brought him before a magistrate and Father Everhard Hans admitted pretty quickly, yes, I'm a Catholic, and yes, I'm a priest. And so then he was arrested and imprisoned.
2: Wow. So because of the boots, uh, he was sort of giving away. You know, it's interesting because, you know, there are so many uh, martyrs we've talked about before, uh, priests who were brought into captivity. And this is actually the case in a few different eras. Uh, this happened in France. Uh, this certainly happened in Mexico. I'm thinking of Blessed Miguel Pro, where, yes. I mean, these these men have to minister, and they have to come up with some sort of a disguise in order to do it.
16: Yes, and so he probably had all the right clothing. I mean, I don't, we don't have this detail, but the boots gave him away. They just looked – they didn't look like they were made in England to the to – the, uh, jailer and so he was suspicious but the also the just the fact that father everhard admitted so quickly he didn't he didn't try to obfuscate he didn't try to avoid his imprisonment he or being arrested for his priesthood but at this time it was not actually it this is 1581 so this is the time of of saint edmund campion and his companions great trials and the whole Uh, we've talked about this before that that and people could find it on my website that on my blog spot that that uh, they had to be accused of some kind of plot it wasn't yet treasonous just to be a catholic priest who had returned to england they had to find some kind of treason some kind of plot or conspiracy and so he wasn't it lumped in with those, uh, other Jesuits, the, the Jesuits and, and others in, in the Rome and Ron's plot, but he was accused. They had to find something to accuse him of so that they could sentence him to death. And so at trial, they asked him questions and then interpreted them in a way that, that it meant that he was committing treason. So for instance, they asked him in his trial, uh, do you still observe, believe that the Pope in Rome has authority over you while you, a Catholic priest, are here in England? And Father Everhard said, well, of course he does. He has the same spiritual power over me that he had over you before all your laws have been passed. So they interpreted that meaning, ah, so he's against Elizabeth I's supremacy, so this is treason. They asked him, well, do you want, do you believe, do you want others to become catholics and he said yes i believe that everyone should be a catholic like I, like I am so they interpreted that to mean well then he wants to persuade people to convert to catholicism which was against the law so they used the, his very answers that he gave honestly to entrap him in while in uh, while having him on trial for treason uh to find him guilty and sentence him to death
2: you know it's interesting as you're talking about the answers that he gave, which are sort of honest and straightforward answers. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, in some ways uh, that's, that's kind of what, what makes for such, such a powerful story here is that he doesn't try and dance around it. Uh, He just pretty much says it like it is. It reminds me of two different verses about feet in the Bible. Um, One is Isaiah 52. Since of course he was arrested for his boots, you know, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace. Uh, You know, it's, interesting that it's um it's in his preaching of the gospel that his his feet are what give him away, but there's another one where Paul talks in Ephesians six where he's talking about the armor yes. of God, and he says uh you know after all the the shield of faith and the you know belt of truth and all that he says uh that you should have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace um and uh it seems to me as though Father Hans uh, had his feet fitted in both of those senses uh, that Isaiah and Paul are talking about
16: yes, and and Father Bowden picks up on that in his title because his title is "Shod for the Gospel, so that he is wearing the boots that bring him to preach the gospel and also to to his martyrdom and it, father Father Bowden also brings up this beautiful detail, of course remember hanging, drawing, courting was a horrible torturous death and one of the things that made it so horrible was that the man was hanged until he was barely conscious and then he was eviscerated and his chest was cut open and his heart was cut out of his his chest and as his heart hit the fire that they threw it in it danced and father bowden says that showed that this was part of his constancy and the lord's delight in his constancy and his uh, fidelity. And his last words were, Oh, happy day.
2: Again, you know... Blessed Everhard
16: it, Hansen, pray for us.
2: Absolutely. Meant to be a deterrent, but also, I mean, really what it is, is a powerful witness to the gospel that Blessed yes. Everhard Hans, uh, you know, proclaimed. So, great stuff, Stephanie Mann. Supremacyandsurvival.blogspot.com it's where you can find Stephanie's stuff. It's linked at sunrisemorningshow.com Hard, hard to believe that... We're already done on our EWTN portion of the show. Another hour coming up for our local audience. In the meantime, we'll talk to most of you tomorrow. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.